We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Theo, Russ Dorsey here. I had a quick question for you as far as something you said a couple minutes ago about the roster evaluation. So with the three-player taxi squad that's going to travel with you guys this season, is there any criteria that you guys are creating or developing right now that maybe positional flexibility or experience that goes into those decisions? Yeah. Hey, Russ, uh, first of all, welcome to the beat. Great to, great to have you here. Um, yeah, that's a great question. Hit and run with Matt Spiegel Sunday mornings on the score. How about that? Theo Epstein pausing to welcome Russ Dorsey to the beat. He has seen him around the ballpark for a couple years now, Russell Dorsey used to be at MLB.com, covered the Cubs and the Milwaukee Brewers, I know, and White Sox sometimes, too. Well, I'll, why don't I ask him instead of just rattling it off as Russell Dorsey of the Sun-Times joins us on the Alpamonte Ford Hotline, Alpamonte Ford in Melrose Park. Good morning, Russ. How are you? Speaks, I got to tell you, buddy, as somebody who used to listen to Hit and Run as a kid getting ready for church and listening <laughs> to you and Barry Rosner go back and forth for hours, Oh. This is an honor, sir. How are you? Oh, oh man, I'm good. Thank you. I appreciate that. And I'm old. That's all right. I can deal with. Uh, I can deal with. Stop uh, it. Yes, uh, I know. Back and forth. It's a what a concept. But I'm solo now, so I need you to go back and forth with me, uh, I Dorsey. Can do that. All right. Well, well how, how about Theo pausing to welcome you to the beat? He's uh he's he's just a. He, he, there are a lot of ways in which that dude is just kind of a very relaxed, normal human guy. Still, despite all the success, the salary, and the whole schmear. It was uh, I, I, I was the most surprised person on that Zoom, man. I'm not gonna lie to you, um, but very classy, very kind gesture from Theo, uh, and it was much appreciated. So I'm I'm happy to to be joining the the beat on a regular basis, and really excited to to share some stories with people. Yeah, well, congrats congrats on getting there. That's for sure. Um, Thank you. So, absolutely, Russ deserves. So, so tell us and tell the listeners what it looks like and what people had to say in the organization about the extended dugouts that they're building because they just don't want to throw guys in the stands. It's one thing for Anthony Rizzo to walk around and watch from a different location every 10 minutes, right. uh, as he has been, which has been entertaining as hell. But how they're going to social distance, tell people how that, what that looks like and, and how that's being discussed. Yeah, so as you've probably seen or fans have probably seen on Twitter, like there's an extension, there's some a little uh, midsummer construction going on at Wrigley, and they're they're expanding the dugouts so guys can move around a little bit more freely uh, without being within six feet of each other. And we were talking to David Ross yesterday, and he says it just keeps guys more engaged. Like if you had to 
be in the stands, Matt Spiegel, and then it's like, Spiegs, you're you're hitting next. What the the, the level of <laughs> fluster that you would be to have to jump from the scout seats, get a bat, be on deck, like it would be the same thing for a big leaguer. So they're trying to avoid any of those um, situations and let guys be as engaged as possible. And if you just have an extension of the dugout, you can feel like you're a part of the game. You can watch pitchers. You can talk to coaches. You can talk to other players and, and move around freely. And then if your number's called to be in the game, like there's no uh, effects for that. So so who's going to be down there? Just coaches and the expanded roster to start? Are they going to limit the amount of people who can be down there? And, and, and who's in charge of those health and safety protocols? Is it Ross who's in charge? Or I wonder if he'll, he should have a lieutenant during the game to watch that stuff. So as of right now, I would imagine because for everybody, just to uh, refresh, there's going to be 30 guys in that, in that clubhouse to start the season. And then after two weeks, there's going to be 28. Then after two weeks, it's going to be the normal 26. So there's going to be a lot of bodies down there. And there's not – and you've been in those dugouts. There's a lot of room, but also there's not a lot of room. So you're going to need as much square footage down there as you possibly can. And so I would imagine even when you get down to 26 guys, you're going to have guys spread out into that extended dugout. But I also imagine, like, it'll be normal. You'll have – Andy Green and and Anthony Iaposi and and guys like that coming in and out and talking to guys and making sure guys are ready to go and 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 talking the game with with those guys. Do you know offhand? It's okay if you don't. Who the infection control prevention coordinator is for the Cubs? <laughs> At, dude, every team has one. I love that title because I feel like I could take any of those four words and just put them in any in any order, really. Infection prevention control coordinator. Like, it all just means the same thing. But every team has one, and it's really just, like, duties that they're piling on top of, of an, a pre-existing employee. Any idea who that is? I have no clue who that is, Speaks. Yeah, I But I will say this. It, it's something that Theo talked about, as Jeff talked about last week, as Rossi's been talking about this weekend. It's something that collectively as a ball club, they've really been trying to to stress and players taking it upon themselves to kind of make sure that they're taking this thing seriously without that uh, quality control infectious disease specialist. Um, <laughs> but but they're, they're taking it very seriously. And guys are coming in, they're getting their work in when there's no, like, scrimmage and they're going home like there's no hanging around there's no hugs there's no high like and it's and for ball players it's difficult it's difficult to not hug guys it's difficult to not spit as disgusting as that sounds it's almost yeah. an ingrained part of baseball so uh, I have no clue who that specialist is All that's right, inspecting but- and making sure these things are right but I should probably find that out really soon <laughs> no but I mean this is these are the new jobs that are getting right. getting created, right? That that job is created, um, the equivalent of a foley artist to hit the excited crowd sound effect when there's a a fly ball into the gap, and then to hit the next button, which is you know more excitement if it falls or oh if it gets caught. Right. Like that job is being created. This is. Uh, this is the state of things. It's it's very weird. As you talk about that trust, Russ, you know, it, it, it's why it's hard to imagine trades taking place because of the level of trust you are asking 
of people because of the responsibility an organization has now to keep these players safe. And the way that Theo talked about it, I would be very, very surprised if there are major trades for Chris Bryant or anybody else this year. What are your thoughts? Uh, I agree with you. I, I heard a little bit of, of you and Danny the other day talking about it. And, yeah, it would if I was a ball player and I was here in Chicago where – as far as public health, we have done a pretty good job, probably the best in the country at lowering our numbers. Our hospitalizations are down. Um, you know, we hit all our checkpoints as far as COVID goes to reopen the state. And I would feel really comfortable playing here as a, as a Major League Baseball player. But if I were to get traded to the Miami Marlins, Tampa Bay Rays, Arizona Diamondbacks, Houston Astros, Texas Rangers, I might be a little concerned because not only am I going to another team that I don't know, I don't know their health and safety protocols. I don't know those players in general, if we're going to talk about the baseball side, but then I have to live in a state, a city of Houston or Arlington or, or Phoenix where they have been a hotspot, like mid March numbers, as far as COVID is concerned. And I, that would really, that could really affect, you know, how I play the game that could affect, everything like that could be the difference between me playing this year healthy and safe here in Chicago and being on the the COVID list that can't be announced because of HIPAA you know Mm -hmm. so it's it's for a player I can under definitely understand how that would be concerning Chris Bryant talked about that and and I and Theo talked about they, they're going to have to have, and Jed did too, they're going to have to have transactions. They're going to have to outright guys. They're going to have to DFA guys. They're going to have to trade guys. And it's the, the ugly part about this year in terms of trying to play Major League Baseball during the middle of a pandemic. And the, the answer isn't always going to be one that you like as far as should we trade this guy? I don't feel comfortable because there's so many other things going on. And, you know, Jed and Theo are so charismatic outside of baseball, I know they think about those things when they have to make these decisions, but at the end of the day, you do have to make decisions for your ball club if you're going to play baseball in 2020. Less than two weeks out of opening day, talking Cubs with Russ Dorsey of the Chicago Sun-Times. All right, let's, let's just think about some purely baseball things right here. Right. Nico, Hor- Nico Horner going to break camp with this team, especially with the rosters expanded and the fact that there's nowhere to play in the minor leagues. It seems like they're happy with him as well. Yeah, I would say there's just too many <laughs> uh, roster spots open for Nico not to make the big league ball club. <laughs> I think he makes them better from day one, whether it's as the second baseman uh, in a platoon with Jason Kipnis. If you want to throw him in center field, you can do that. If you want to give Javi a blow at shortstop and DH him and then let Javi uh, or then let Nico play shortstop, you can do that too. So there's a lot of options with Nico Horner. Flexibility is, is the key there and I think they do want to get some looks in the big leagues I do think they think he can play in the big leagues right now so with 30 guys on a roster they're they're gonna have let's think of it this way week they have six weeks to decide because you're gonna have 30 players at the beginning of of you know at opening day then you're gonna have 28 then you're gonna have to make the decision on 26 in six weeks so you have time if, if Nico Horner is playing and he's playing well he makes that first round of cuts to 28. If he's still playing well, he makes the, the 26, man. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's, I, I don't imagine there's a situation where he doesn't or he's on that taxi squad. And it was a question I asked Theo uh, that you guys opened with. He said that the players that are going to be on that three-man taxi squad that travels with the, the club this year 
are going to have to be players who don't need to play to develop. So reading between the lines a little bit, that would be a prospect that they felt has reached their ceiling already. Um, An Ian Miller, if you will, a guy that has a lot of tools, can do a lot of different things, uh, but they're not expected to be a top prospect like that. Or like a 4A guy who has some positional flexibility, um, can play sports and play the outfield. And then one of those guys is going to have to be a catcher. So a Josh Fegley or whoever. So that, those are the some of the things that I think are going to happen roster-wise. But I do think Nico Horner is going to be a part of the big league club. It's interesting to think about that taxi squad. As Ross has said, he likes the idea of three catchers. You think a third catcher on the taxi squad is enough? Or does he want that third guy to be among the 30 that that breaks camp? Because um, I, I think Schwarber has is, is fallen out of the realm of even emergency catcher. Um, at, yeah, at, I, I at think this you're point. right. I think you're right. I think Ross has talked about how he likes the idea of having Victor Caratini's bat and Wilson Contreras' bat in the lineup. So yep. if you're going to do that, you are going to need Josh Fegley to be on your bench just in case. And so with 30 guys on the club, with 28 guys on the club two weeks later, you have, just like we were talking about with Hunter, you have a couple of weeks to kind of see how it goes, to see how things play out. Let's say both catchers, Victor Caratini and Wilson Charis, are hitting well that first couple of weeks of the season. You can definitely say, all right, we'll just ride it out with three catchers. And that would be totally fine, especially with the 26-man you know, we're thinking about all these other roster spots, but with that 26 man that's going to be included yep. after this year, that's a big spot for a lot of a lot of managers. And, and talking to a lot of different managers last year, they were going to the third catcher on the roster, a, a catcher that could play, you know, didn't have to play every day, could possibly play another position, whether it's first base, third base, left field. I know David Bell in Cincinnati, he loved having three catchers on the roster. Uh, with Kyle Farmer being that third guy that could play a lot of different positions. So there are a lot of managers that were leaning that way prior to this year. Mm-hmm. But now with the situations we have in 2020, it just gives them an excuse to use that more often. Yeah. Uh, one more thing on that stuff before we talk about the pitchers for a little bit. Daniel Descalso doesn't seem to really have a spot on this team, but when they signed him to that two-year deal, that second year this year would be his 10th in terms of service time. And that means being fully vested for the MLB pension. And so, you know, he wants it. And it is something from a business perspective that I'm sure was discussed when he signed. And it's something, again, that they think about. And guys on the service, uh, on the taxi squad, don't get service time. I just went and checked on that to, to see. So... I don't know, because I was thinking about, as you're talking about people, I, was, I, don't, I don't know if Descalso is, I don't know what, what's going to happen to him um, at this point. That's a guy that benefits from that 26 spot, right? That's yeah. a, a second baseman that doesn't really play other positions, so he's going to need to beat out Nico Horner and, and Jason Kipnis for one of those, you know, either the second base backup spot or, one of, or a, a pinch hitting roll off off the bench for David Ross. So mm-hmm. that's going to be uh, interesting as we we get down to the final cuts and, and stuff in a couple of days. But, yeah, I think you're right. I think that's something to keep in mind. Like, there's a lot of intricacies that come with this season um, as far as terminology and guys getting service time, guys not getting service time if a guy opts mm-hmm. out or elects not to play. So 
yeah, I, I would be really interested to see where Descalzo falls in that uh, in that timeline for them. Hey, Russ, um, I, I've been all over Craig Kimbrell for wanting him to use the changeup. He's practiced it for 11 years in spring training. He's thrown four in the history of his major league career. That four-seam yeah. four fastball doesn't have the velocity, the carry um, th- that it has had before. He's also having trouble keeping it up in the zone where it needs to live or else he becomes very, very gettable as he was last year and already in the spring. I, I mean, you're not getting the opportunity to talk to these guys off the record. You know, like to to really get the atmosphere to like see figure out if Ross and and Hoyer and Kimbrell himself are really pushing for it. If Kimbrell's really open to it, the way it stands, they're going to let Craig make that decision. Right. It's like I know Hoyer wants it to happen. Ross has kind of left it sort of level. The last I heard Kimbrell talk about it sounded like he was considering it. Do you think he will consider it? Yeah, we we talked to him the other day. He said it's definitely something that he was working on uh, coming out of spring training. It's something he's been working on during the break and, and working on since summer camp started. And I do think that adding another weapon to that repertoire that he has with the big curveball and the fastball that he has that's not quite where it used to be, it could only benefit him. Like, yes, he doesn't have 99-100 in his back pocket anymore. But if you have 96-97 – the curveball that people are worried about, the knuckle curve that people are worried about, and then a changeup that you can spot here and there to get swings and misses, I think that helps Craig Kimbrell a lot, especially making up for that loss in velocity. So I think depending on how things go in summer camp, I think that's definitely something he's been working on. I know people are concerned. Craig Kimbrell's giving up homers and he's getting hit, and this is what we saw last year. Like, I think he's working on some of those things so that when the season does start, like he can get a lot more swings and misses than maybe people have been seeing on the timeline. He is Russ Dorsey of the Sun-Times. Russ, thank you, man. This was a pleasure. I know we'll talk again. Enjoy yourself on the beat, and I will see you at the ballpark. Thanks, Beach. Appreciate it, buddy. All right, you got it, man. It's Russ Dorsey right here on 670 The Score. Our man Chris Kempka will join us towards the bottom of the show um, to help tie the room together like a nice area rug. But when we come back, a really thoughtful and a compelling and still important piece of the White Sox roster. You'll hear from him next on The Score. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Welcome back in on 670. The Scar, it is hit and run. The Score's venerable baseball show. Chris Kampka in about mm, 15 minutes or so. Phenomenal piece in the Chicago Sun-Times by my buddy Steve Greenberg about Yasmani Grandal. Just 
absolutely terrific. Seek it out if you're a White Sox fan. If you're not, even if you're not, and you just you love the game, you love hearing about catchers who really get in there and play the game along with the pitchers and try to make them better. Here's one thing. There's some stuff about Gio Gonzalez, about how he helped Gio Gonzalez move from one side of the rubber to the other, completely changed the course of his recent career. It was great in Milwaukee, great in Milwaukee. And now he's here to continue. Um, this is, this is what Gio Gonzalez says about Yasmani Grandal. I'm telling you what he does is remarkable. The way he breaks down everything. It's almost the cheat code to the PlayStation game. This guy is at another level. He's playing games, just almost toying with the opponent. What he's doing now in baseball is next level. This is what Grandal does. It's almost an obsession, writes Greenberg, is to work with each Sox pitcher to discover the hidden keys to meaningful, lasting improvement. Whether that is pitch counts, mechanics, advanced metrics, identifying tells, looking at mechanics, dissecting video. Great, great stuff. And really good catchers think like that and work like that. And we heard some of the same stuff about James McCann, especially last year in his breakout year when he became an all-star. And now McCann is still a big part of this team, but has to live with this team and be on this team while Yasmani Grandal is clearly taking the lead catcher role. James McCann was on with me, Matt Spiegel, and Danny Parkins on Friday on The Score always thoughtful and we asked him what weighed into his decision to play to not opt out but actually play in this shortened season well uh, yeah I, there's a lot of things that i had to weigh um you know first and foremost my, my family's not here with me uh they stayed home and uh and you know my wife has come with me every year um and you know so with my kids being two and a half they they haven't missed uh, a season uh, so there's definitely pros and cons that, that we weighed out, but um, you know there there was never really an option for me to to opt out per se. Um, it, the, the pros and cons were what what do we do with with our family, and and as of now we've decided to to leave them home. Um, it's you know just for them it's, it's a little bit safer being being at home and not traveling uh, and, and not being exposed to whatever I may be exposed to and, and bring it back to them. I know we're very early on in this process, but do you feel safe? It, that question for me, um, it it's day to day. Each day, I, there's growing optimism with me. Uh, if you had asked me two weeks ago, I, I would have said there's no shot. Um, I think our our first hurdle was the the intake testing, and um, I think we crossed that hurdle. I think the next hurdle, the, the next real big hurdle, in my opinion, is uh, what happens when we start traveling from city to city. Um, and honestly, it's on us as players to, to hold each other accountable and to make sure that uh, away from the field we're, we're, we're being smart because at the field, um, you know, they, they've done a good job of, of setting us up for success. If you, if you follow the, the protocols at the field, you're, you're going to be good. It's, it's what's happening away from the field that, uh, you know, we need to make sure we stay on top of. The, the level of trust that you guys will all have to have in the organization as a whole and in your teammates, uh, in your manager, and everybody trying to do the right thing. There's a trade deadline that's five weeks into this season. It's been hard for me to imagine kind of morally, ethically, going to a player of any kind and saying, we need you to go trust the Astros for the next 
seven weeks. You know, that's we maybe need to... not the best example. We can't be trusting the Astros. <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> that's a good point. But you know what I mean? Like any team, go trust how they've been doing it. Go trust how that team has been taking care of their players in terms of health and safety. Is it? It, it, I mean, it, is it morally or ethically even correct to think about trading players in a season like this, James? Well, I I haven't even had that thought just because um, from the very beginning it, it's been you know it was it was the the protocols were put in place by the union and and MLB, so the union has you know players from all around the league weighing in, and uh, you know I, I was on the phone call, so I know what what other teams are are feeling and what other guys' opinions are. Um, and I and I've been in touch with with numerous teams uh, about how their protocols are being followed and how you know are they feeling safe and and what what guys are feeling around the league. Um, so the the protocols that we're following here are are actually the same protocols that other teams are having to follow as well. It's just a matter of how well are they being enforced. And from all the guys that I've talked to around the league, everyone is acting as if though things are being enforced um, up to up, up to their their standards. Um, so I haven't had that that thought about uh, you know more what, what's the the moral situation of being asked to go to a different team um, because I think at the end of the day as much as we want to beat each other on the field uh, off the field and in the clubhouse we're we're kind of all on the same side in in fighting against the virus. Well, you mentioned being on those calls. You are a union rep for the White Sox, and that it got ugly between Major League Baseball and the Players Union. Do you think there are going to be ramifications from this round of negotiations right around the corner, given that the current CBA is expired in 2021? Yeah, you know, I, I think um, I think where, where the game's at right now, uh, it, it's made it's made more money in the last few years than it ever has before. Um, you've got some of the, the best young talent that's ever come up uh, at the major league level, all at the same time. Um, you know, I, I think that there's definitely things that are going to be addressed, and um, you know, I, I'm not going to get into specifics of, of how we got to where we did during during the quarantine. Um, you know, my comment all along is, is, is uh, it's unfortunate that the focus in the public side became the economical side, when in reality the focus should have been on on the virus and the the common enemy that uh, you know everyone has, not just baseball, but but everyone in in, in the world is fighting right now. Um, but I think that the game's going to be okay. I think that there's just too much, too much talent and too many good players right now that uh, you know it can't. It, it, it's just impossible for it not to bounce back, in my opinion. Boy, I hope so, James. The, the game has always been powerful enough, beautiful enough to withstand some ugliness when the labor talks come. I, it, have you, have you guys as reps? talked about trying to keep things more in-house it's not just you obviously the owners did the same thing everybody kind of going to their favorite leak person and 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 getting that stuff out there it was it was awful out here just kind of watching it and listening to it i have you guys talked about having to be quieter next winter if you get the chance to yeah i I think uh in, in a perfect world it is quieter in a perfect world everything gets done behind closed doors and we get to announce happily to the public the the end results um, whether that happens, that, that remains to be seen. But uh, I think in a perfect world, I, I'd say that both sides would agree that everything happens behind closed doors and, and the end result is what is what the public gets to find out. When I think about some of the improvements with the White Sox and, and the pitchers, the young pitchers, James, I, I think about Danny Farquhar, who's now part of the team um, as, as a coach in the system, 
And I, I, I hope that White Sox fans know how much you deserve, how much credit you deserve for the way that you game plan, the way that you talk to your pitchers about game planning and doing their homework. It was a big, big part of things for Giolito. I know that you and Dylan Cease have connected very well on that. Is there a pitcher that has come in after this offseason, this long offseason, and you've looked at him and you've been like, man, this guy is now taking it to another level. This guy is ready in a way that perhaps I didn't expect. There's a lot of good young arms in there, but you know what it takes to be real good on this level. Yeah, no, I, I think um, when you look across the board, all, all of our young guys made, made improvements. Um, but one guy that really sticks out to me is, is Reynaldo Lopez. Um, you know, he had a tough year last year, had some good moments, had some rough moments. And, uh, you know, I think he, he took it to heart and he, he went out and he, he worked his tail off this offseason. When he showed up to, to spring training uh, back in Arizona, the, the comment I made was the difference in him from 2019 to 2020 was similar to the, the difference of Giolito from 2018 to 2019. Um, so I'm excited to see, see how that, that kind of transpires. And, uh, you know, you, um, you can't expect him to, to all of a sudden put up a year like Giolito put up last year. Um, but you can definitely see the progress that, that he's made, and uh, you know I'm, I'm not going to put uh, put uh, you know expectations on him. But I, I think that I, I think you're going to see a, a different Reynaldo Lopez than what you saw last year. I, I've been very impressed with him in camp. That's uh, James McCann on the score on Friday with me, Matt Spiegel, and Danny Parkins. Top of the hour, it will be Zach Zaidman and Tom Thayer hosting for you on the score. Ron Coomer is going to join them at 2 o'clock, so they are on from noon until 3. We are broadcasting live from Hyundai Studios, brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers. Yeah, so James McCann, part of the action, and Yasmani Grandal, a bigger part of the action, at catcher. Two real good ones. It's okay to have two real good ones. There was a, a big big to do about possibly trading James McCann. A lot of people talking about that in the off season. It didn't happen. And here you are. There's no reason you can't have them both. I think they will have three catchers who is going to be the third catcher that they might carry is does your mean Mercedes have a shot to make this team now when he wasn't going to towards the end of spring? Probably not. Does Zach Collins make this team as a third catcher who can also play some first base and be a left-handed bat off the bench and or occasional DH? I think so. I think with the expanded 30, you'll see Zach Collins start as a member of the team. But we will see. Also, Andrew Vaughn has been taking some grounders over at third base. That's the kind of thing that's going on a lot of, a lot of little summer camps. There's a few things like that. It's a weird time to think about doing things like that. But you also have interest squad. you got to fill out your rosters, so you might as well. Andrew Vaughn is not going to play third base in the major leagues this year, if he's in the major leagues at all this year. Um, but maybe that's a spot where you can get some utility out of him since he's an athletic guy. Obviously, he's a first baseman by trade, can play a little bit in the outfield. Check him out at third and see what you can get. Up in Toronto, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. has been taking grounders at first. It's awfully young to be moving him off of third, and over to first. But it appears they want to let him concentrate on the bat and uh, in manning a, a slightly more manageable position at first base. It's baseball season, isn't it? If you missed the top of the show, I just I, I got excited this morning as I was prepping for the show because 
there, there have been so many issues on the table for so long, since the middle of March, that today has really been a chance to focus on what is coming. It's supposed to be a big, big year. Big season for baseball. So purely hanging out in the baseball mindset for a while, as much as we can, with everything that's going on in the world. Because we are moving inexorably towards opening day. And it has that feeling of inevitability in a way that we've taken for granted. Hey, it's spring. That means baseball. No, nothing's for granted right now. But man, I think there's going to be a baseball opening day. I mean, I suppose you should mark that, Sean Anderson, and make sure you're rolling on it just in case things implode between now and opening day. But I really think it's going to happen at this point. And that's great. So let's just, uh, I'm, gonna, I'm allowing myself to exist right there in that hope. The Michael Kopech news was jarring. He will go more than 900 days without an appearance in the big leagues. How many other pitchers have ever done that? Well, thankfully, Chris Kampka will tie the room together with that and some other stuff next on Hit and Run here on The Score. How about the Bee Gees? Oh, I see. Okay. Well, listen, we took all the disco records that you brought tonight. We got them in a giant box, and we're going to blow them up real good. Disco sucks! Disco sucks! Disco sucks! Disco sucks! And we're never going to let them forget it! They're not going to show it down our throats! We rock and rollers will resist, and we will triumph! Alright, you ready? We're going to count to three and then go boom! One, two, three, boom! Welcome back in on 670 The Score. That's today. That anniversary is today. Not this year, obviously, but a lot of years ago, and that's Steve Dahl from Disco Demolition Night. Chris Kamka is our man, the Sultan of Stat from NBC Sports Chicago, and we do Cam Connections to wrap up Hit and Run every week. And Chris Kamka joins us right now on the Alpamonte Ford Hotline. Alpamonte Ford in Melrose Park. Disco demolition on the brain for you, Chris Kamka, among other That's things? Right. That's right. That's right. 41 years ago today, wow. there were more records broken than any other day in Major League Baseball history. Ha. Yeah. Okay. I um, like that. By the way, you played a little Ed Farmer clip from that Griffey throw. Yeah, man. Um, Ed Farmer pitched the final three and two-third innings for the White Sox in the first game of that disco demolition doubleheader, of which the second game was forfeit. Oh, that's awesome. I did not realize that. Didn't Farmio sound good on that Griffey throw that we played earlier today? Man. Yes. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So so disco demolition 41 years ago today. Um, Also, 30 years ago yesterday, in 1990, was the first time any team ever did a throwback uniform, a retro uniform. It was the White Sox, and it was an idea from the 15-year-old son of the media relations guy, turn back the clock and make it feel like a game from when Comiskey Park had first opened. It was the final year of old Comiskey, 
And so they wore their 1917 uniforms, which look awesome, by the way. And that was the first time anybody did a turn back the clock uniform promotion. That's insane. I didn't, I didn't know that it came from the 15-year-old and then Rob Gallus, the head of promotion at the time, ran with it. I did not know that backstory, Chris Kampka. Yeah, I, I didn't either. And it's pretty amazing. I mean, you figure they've been doing these you know, retro uniform things forever. But apparently not. <laughs> yeah. um, it, it's good that we remember that aspect of it rather than the fact that they blew a 9-3 to lead and lost 12-9 to in 13 innings that day. Uh-huh. But, hey, the, the images um, live on today. In fact, there's a ton of 1991 baseball cards the following year. There are a lot of pictures of the White Sox in those old uniforms. So you, you can go back and flip through those and kind of look at how awesome it was. But still, it's amazing to wow. imagine – they have been doing these things forever because it seems like it. Yeah. What a great idea. I love it. Oh, my God. It's phenomenal. And you think about all the different teams all around the game that do that. The White Sox do it regularly, obviously. The Twins, the Padres, the Phillies, the Pirates. Even the Blue Jays had flashbacks. Um, oh. they, you know, they barely have existed. And then, obviously, other teams, when the NFL does the flashback uniforms. So, amazing that it started then and there. Um, but, all yeah. right. The, go ahead. Even the Rays have done it, and, you know, they, they, they had the fake faux retro uniforms. Remember those? Oh, my God. I forgot about that. They invented what might have been retro uniforms so they could have a turn-back-the-clock day. Those are nice, too. I like those. <laughs> oh, wow. That's a level of absurdity I'd completely forgotten. Um, all right. The news of the week, news of the day, Michael Kopech um, opting out, and it will go, according to James Feigen at The Athletic, between September 5th, 2018, and opening day 2021 will be 939 days between appearances in a big league game for Michael Kopech. And that's, of course, if he throws on opening day. He, who knows when he will that week, um, all assuming. But what kind of list? I asked you, what are we looking at in terms of pitchers who've gone more than 900 days between appearances in Major League Baseball? Well, I had done a pretty nice list. Now, it's probably not a comprehensive, complete list. But there's a lot of really interesting names on here. There's some. It goes from some of the more recent, such as Zach Wheeler, which is important. Hmm. Interesting. He went 925 days in between appearances, wow. um, and, which is interesting again because he cashed in big time. So, yeah. you know, you can have a big layoff, still come back, and uh, get it done, um, and you know, turn it around. Uh, that, 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 more, just stop there. Yeah, that that's a really interesting comp because former big time prospect. Had had his second Tommy John, right? He's had two of them, I think. Um, uh, you know what? It, I don't know. I'm not sure if it's one or two. Either way. Um, but it, it had one, and it was complications that shut him down for two full years. Hmm. So, so, so he went more than 900 days, and as you say, um, still was able to return, be very good, and then cash in. And, in fact, the White Sox wanted him, although he ended up with the Phillies. Okay, interesting list right off the bat. Yeah, another more recent one was Johnny Venters, who had three Tommy John surgeries. Wow. And he missed 2,028 days in between pitches. Wow. It was a pretty remarkable comeback and a nice story, although I believe he uh, ended last year with another injury, but um, hopefully he can come back. But that is a um, um, th- that is a relief specialist. Um, yeah. So, so a, a little bit different. By the way, is Chris Medlin on this list, the pitcher Chris Medlin? You know what? Uh, Chris Medlin... Would be a good guy to add to that list, I believe. I I do not have him. Okay, uh, like sorry. I said, I was kind of jotting around here trying to mm-hmm. find some good ones. Um, 
Chris Medlin. Um, I'm not sure if he missed nine. I don't think he missed 900. It, there was two since he missed 2014 and all of 2017. Yeah, so um, two di- two different ones, two different ones. You're right. And two different ones, by the way. Um, there's a guy who had two different ones. Um, one player had a, a, a pitching appearance in October 1st, 1921, and didn't have another one again until September 20th, 1930. Goes by the name of Babe Ruth. 3,284 days between mound appearances. <laughs> wow. Versus, you know, obviously, he played outfield plenty of times before that. But then from 1930, that game I mentioned, through October 1st, 1933, he went another 1,099 days. Wow. By the way, both of those appearances in 1930 and 1933, both complete game wins. Wow. That's crazy. Both complete game wins. So he went more than more than a thousand days in between complete game wins. That's insane. Yeah, it was kind of a novelty thing. The Yankees threw him out there in the last game of the year. Um, but I mean, still pretty amazing feat. Yeah. Um, and so th- then we have another interesting one um, from June tenth, nineteen forty four, until May twenty first, nineteen fifty two. That would be Joe Nuxall. Wow. And, I, and many baseball fans would know the reasoning behind this. He was a World War II. Um, the Reds needed a guy to come in and pitch. At 15 years old, the youngest player in Major League history, Joe Nuxall, came out there. Um, he got lit up, but he was only 15. I mean, come on. Yeah. But then he didn't pitch again until 1952. That's a span of 2,902 days. Incredible. At age um, age 15, that that 15. is... That is insane, and I don't think he was in. It's not like he was in the minors. I don't think he played at all um, for most of that time. Right, there was a while where he just didn't play at all, and he came back had a pretty productive career, not only on the mound for the Reds, but a beloved broadcaster for the Reds for many years after that. Absolutely. Um, let's go back and take a look at Satchel Page, who had a major league career started way too late. Unfortunately, we. We wish we could have seen him at his peak in the major leagues. But unfortunately, due to segregation, we had to wait. Um, but he pitched through 1953, and then he came back on September 25, 1965. 4,386 days later, pitched three scoreless innings against the Boston Red Sox at age 59 wow. and allowed just one hit. And it took a future Hall of Famer and Carl Yastrzemski to do it. Wow. But, of course, that's not really comparable to Kopech at all. There is really no comp for 2020. But I'll give a few more examples. Dizzy Dean had a great career for the Cardinals, and he had had an injury where it kind of affected his whole motion, and he was out by 1941 with the Cubs. Hmm. Um, fast forward to September 28, 1947, for the St. Louis Browns, 2,347 days later. Wow. He was a broadcaster for the St. Louis Browns, and he was critical of their pitching staff. He said, I could do better anyway. So they signed him to a one-day contract, and he started the last game of the season against the White Sox, and he pitched four, four scoreless innings and even got a hit. But a little thing to note on that, by then, he was like out of shape, and he was probably about 275 pushing 300 pounds at the time, but he still backed it up. <laughs> That's amazing. I didn't know that Dizzy Dean story. I love that. I love when the broadcaster calls him out and they're like, oh, yeah, you come down and do it, okay? I will.
That's that. That is that is tremendous. Um, textures are getting in on it. Listeners to hit and run. Rich Hill. I don't think he went 900 days. He he, he played at the end of the uh, 2013 season and then played a little bit in 2015. But it's a good thought because he flamed out of baseball and then refound himself in the independent league among other places before coming back. And uh, you know and, what's and, amazing about that, Speaks? Rich Hill that? popped into my mind. Not only did he not have a 900-day layoff, he he has pitched in every season since 2005 in the majors. Wow. He didn't so, miss any seasons. That's crazy. So, that, that, it that, is crazy because, I mean, he had those little short stints, so you figure he's out of baseball, but he wasn't. Uh, so they, they, just, they just kept grabbing him and, and throwing him in there. Um, boy, that's, that, that's interesting. All right. Anybody else of note on that list? That's a pretty good list. And Zach Wheeler feels like a comp. Zach Wheeler feels like a hopeful comp for Michael Kopech in that way. Oh yeah, absolutely. And how about this comp? Uh, Warren Spahn. Now this one's very interesting. He went 1,360 days in between outings. And that was because of world war two. Of course, Hmm. the fun parallel here is Spahn pitched four games in 1942. In his, to start his major league career, then had the long hiatus and came back. Mike Kopech, four games with the White Sox in 2018. So, I mean, that's, that's a fun one. And, and then yeah. along the same line, Bob Feller, um, 1,428 games in between for his World War II stints. Uh, of course, he, I mean, guys like that had a lot of uh, times pitching for the uh, naval teams and mm. whatnot. Um, let me give a couple of more here. Here's a name that you may not remember, Dan Boone, who pitched for the Astros in 1982. I do not remember Dan Boone. Mm -hmm. He made a comeback in 1990 after pitching in the senior professional league, which was a short-lived thing in the late 80s, early 90s. Came back as a knuckleballer for the Orioles after a 2,908-day stint. Now, the name Dan Boone might sound familiar. Uh, He is indeed related to that Daniel Boone. He is a seventh-generation nephew of the famous American frontiersman. I can't make this up. No, you can't. I wouldn't want you to make this up. I, I only want the real. The real is way more interesting than the made-up, Kamka. Oh, that is tremendous. Of course, we have famed author Jim Boughton, who mm-hmm. in 2,965 days after his 1969-70 revival as a knuckleballer the Seattle Pilots and Houston Astros who came back for the Braves in 1978. And probably the, the best one of them all is a guy by the name of Paul Schreiber who came up as a 19-year-old for Brooklyn in 1922, um, pitched in 1923. And from September 2nd, 1923 to September 4th, 1945, uh, he had a minor league stint, he had arm injuries, and we're talking World War II, the Yankees bring him back as a batting practice pitcher. And towards the end of the season, they the Yankees are getting beaten 10 to nothing, and he brought him in to finish the game after a hiatus of 8,038 days. Oh, that's insane. That, that, is, that is tremendous. And that's probably the tops of our list. Uh, you are yeah. the best, Chris Kamka. We got to roll. Thank you so much, man. As always, thank you for the work. Thank you for the joy and the uh, and the uh, um, and, and just being a part of the action. You're the best. 
All right. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Chris. Chris Kamka joined us right there on Hit and Run, as did Russell Dorsey from the Sun-Times. Uh, Jack McMullen of the Fort Wayne Tin Caps to talk about the minor leagues. Bruce Levine as well. Sean Anderson, great job as always. Zach Zaidman and Tom Thayer are next right here on 670 The Score. Have a great day, everybody. not really a huge adjustment it, it just you know we'll turn on the lights and just work a little bit later and give the guys their morning <clears throat> come you're muted buddy okay you got me i got you there you go technology's my friend you know <laughs> <laughs> we really need new phones t-mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iphone 15s and each line is only 25 dollars a month new iphone 15s it's better over here. only at t-mobile get four iphone 15s on us and four lines for 25 bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com.